days we live in now, they realize it was their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that uh, you know, one of the elements that was used to save them. But it seems today that the older we get, the less our faith has that controls us and be with us. So uh, uh, what I want to do this morning is just to encourage you to have faith that grows because without faith it's impossible to please the Lord. You know, that's uh, one of the evidences of being saved that we believe that Christ is in control of our life. So uh, I would rather you to be saved, be a saved failure than a lost success. But today, it's, it seems to be just opposite. We are more successful. We have better jobs, make more money, and we thank God for that verbally. But uh, when we get into the Bible, God's Word said, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And uh, so let's, let's turn to Second Thessalonians. Chapter 1, we want to look at the first four verses, you know, as we look at this, uh, we see in verse 1 that uh, Paul and his friends uh, unto the church of Thessalonica in God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, but he said in verse 2, grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you uh, all toward each other aboundfully, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith, in all your persecutions, tribulation that he endured. Now, if you didn't catch it, and I'm sure some did, that for us to grow up without your faith growing, and it need to grow exceedingly, need to when your faith grows, your love grows, uh, of every one of you, uh, all toward each other that abound them. I believe that one of the signs that I'm saved is that I love saved people a lot more than I used to. I believe that's a sign of, you know, we go back to our young age and we can't re- remember it, but we know from our kids and grandkids that they use that terminology, I don't love you anymore, or I hate you, I dislike you. And they really don't know what they're talking about because they have not matured yet, uh, and that's the flesh speaking. But uh, when we look at Second Thessalonians, as we read, but we notice verse 3, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet because that your faith groweth exceedingly and charity of every one of you all toward each other abounded. 
as we grow in grace, our love scale goes up. We are able to overlook somebody's faults because we realize that the only difference between you and someone else is God's grace. And that's the basic of this study. But uh, we need to understand that. Now, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. When we look at the Word of God, and that's how we uh, get our uh, understanding. So we look and see here in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning with verse 8. God says this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. The devil is sort of like some group of people. They will pound on you if you're having a bad day or if your life, if your marriage, if your work, whatever is down. They want to take an advantage of that. That's how Satan works. But we see here that he said, be sober. He wasn't necessarily telling us not to drink, which we shouldn't, but sober-minded, that we know what's going on and we know what that person, that group of people is doing. You know, we see it in the day's politics. I mean, it is what those people don't understand. They're following the devil and they're part of the last days which Jesus said would happen. So they're falling into that. And so God tells us that we need to be sober, be alert, see what is happening and how it's going to affect our lives. You know, we don't have to say any, any more if you all watch the news any or if you keep up with what's going on so slightly. You can know that the devil is after our younger generation because they buy into anything different unless they've been taught, unless they have parents that will try to explain to them what is going on. But in verse 9, it said, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Christ's not picking on Henry Adams. God didn't pick Henry Adams. I'm going to destroy her or I'm going to destroy the young people. His purpose is to confuse everyone. And when you have been in church a number of years and you can't see that the only way I'm going to survive these next few years or months or days depending on when the rapture takes place, it is believing what God has told you. And this little bit of Bible here, that, you know, it's a whole lot, but God tells us in the book of John that if he had wrote down everything, the world wouldn't be able to hold it. You know, so when we know that and we believe that, then this 
here becomes of very importance that God chose exactly what we need to carry on. So we understand that by the grace of God. Then in verse 10 he says, But the God of all grace, who have called us into his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that he have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. I must not be saved, preacher, because I'm having all kind of bad luck. First of all, there is no luck, and yet the closer you get to the Lord, the more the devil wants to bring you down. That's such facts. But making that stand based upon the word of God, making that stand not based upon your feelings. Feelings change whether God does it. So I base my belief on not how I feel, not what somebody else is doing. And then God tells us in that that's very important. But he said in verse 11, you know, verse 11, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. If you read verse 11 when he said, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever, that means in the good times, the bad times, whatever times it is, God has never forsaken one of his. That's where your strength comes from. Knowing that no matter what I'm going through, if I'm seeking God's will and want to walk in God's will, he will never leave me nor forsake me. That's what it takes to be a prosperous Christian with an influence that only God can use on you. Now we look at 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3. So it's a very simple verse. He, he said here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Can you remember where you were when God found you? And that's a bad terminology because God didn't find you. He knew where you were from the very beginning. But I can only speak for myself. When Christ came to me, I was at one of my lowest states. I had all the answers. And after God saved me, I realized I didn't have the answer. I didn't even know what the question was. But as I got into the Word, got into the Word of God, I learned very, very quickly that the word of God will always lead us to Christ. The word of God will cause us to change our life. You know, we need to realize that and understand that because God is the answer. He is the answer. So we need to uh, remember, as Paul said, without ceasing your work of Faith. I mean, it's uh, it's just a wonderful 
state when we get in, and I think First Thessalonians uh, 4 around verse 10, you know, will give us that. But let's, while you're in Thessalonians, let's, let's turn this to chapter 3. And when we look at chapter 3, beginning with verse 7, Therefore, brethren, we were uh, comforted over you in all our afflictions and distress by your faith. See, what you believe will affect how you act. Remember that. Write it down if you can. What you believe will affect how you act. When your illness comes, when you don't know whether you're going to be able to do what you've done last year, remember that God's in control. He can change that without you ever going to the doctor. And I'm not against doctors. Even if you go to the doctor, you go to the hospital, you go to whatever you go to, if God doesn't bless it, it won't help. I thank God for the two surgeons that but God did the healing. And God does the healing. God tells us. First Thessalonians 3, 7. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our afflictions and distress by your faith. What do you think verse 7 is telling us? First of all, we need to understand that God is not a respecter of persons. And if God will help Brother Doe, he'll help Brother Hampton or Brother Markham or Brother Vance, because God is not a respecter of persons. But the degree and the how God intervenes and how quick he intervenes, I believe, and this is my personal opinion, is that it determines how strong our faith is. See, faith is so important. Faith is believing and acting upon something you can't see. And I have never seen God. I've never seen the great physician. But he's worked in my life. He's worked in my body. He's worked in my mind. So we need faith that grows exceedingly, that keeps on growing. You know, you have a baby. The baby doctor says it's healthy. You know, it's at a good weight for a newborn. But you want that baby to continue to grow. And the growth of that baby is a good sign of whether everything that makes that baby grow and develop is working. So if you don't have any more faith now than you did when God saved you or not as much, there's something in our life that's not working. Something came to take the place of thanking God for the good night's sleep, thanking God for the health that we have, thanking God that I still can remember what I did yesterday. Those are all gifts of God, and they come through faith that grows exceedingly. 
Faith is what you believe. You should believe more today than you did yesterday. You should be able to act upon more today than you did yesterday. Paul knew that if something was lacking in their faith, something would be lacking in their lives. Think about that statement. You don't just stop praying. You don't just stop reading. You don't just stop studying. You don't just stop going to church. You don't just stop promoting your faith. Something came in and became important to you over what you had in Christ. So as we look at that, you know, as we look at that, we we see something. Faith grows exceedingly when it is fed the word of God. Faith grows on God's promises. Now, You'll see on uh, television sometimes when they're trying to get you to help with the foreign food substance, these little babies that you can tell they are mount a new Christian. But if that baby dies as a baby, it's going to heaven. But if that Christian that is starving to death spiritually because Satan has told them and convinced them that, hey, you're saved, you can never be lost, don't worry about it. Really? Try that in a marriage and see how it works. And that's why your marriages are in trouble. As we grow, you know, and I can say this honestly and such the way it was in my life. I love my wife more the day she died than the day I met her. And you ought to feel the same about your spouse. But shouldn't I love God more the day than I did that Tuesday morning on the way to work and he saved my unworldly soul at that six-mile bridge on US 25. The only thing I knew then was God had saved me and my life was going to change. Now I look back 50-some years later and I see how God intervened and did this and did that in my life, got me to meet the right person, put me in a place that I wouldn't go. Sometimes it was hard, you know. You know, what came from that 41 days at Central Baptist Hospital? I'll tell you what came from it. Brother Bill Cubine, pastor of the First Baptist Church in Paris, and Brother Hunley was the first two that told me how to be saved and that Jesus Christ was a great healer And I ought to thank God for the staff at Central Baptist. I ought to thank God for the doctors I had. But never forget that if there's any healing, God's going to do it. I never 
forgot that. I guess I was so silly. I still believe that. I still believe that. God is the giver of life. He's the taker of life. It sounds good, doesn't it? Because it's true. But God is also the giver of prosperity and the holding back of prosperity. And you, you, can, you can talk to the average Joe on the street that is well off, and he said, uh, well, I work for mine. Who gave you the strength to work? Who gave you the ability to work? Why are you still, at your age, able to do your job when there's people that's born into this world that's never been able to walk? He said, what's that got to do with what you're preaching? We have been given opportunity after opportunity to be as successful as we want to be. God doesn't promise me success in wealth. He doesn't promise me success in how much money I have. But he does promise me that he will never leave me nor forsake me. And that keeps me from having a heart attack, not what money I've got in the bank. Not how many friends I've got. God is the giver and the taker of my health, of my life. Now, the reason that is so important is that we see that faith that grows exceedingly is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, not faith in my ability. God said faith grows exceedingly when it is fed the word of God. Faith grows on God's promises. I mean, you're not going to grow spiritually if you don't have a diet of the word of God. And let's be honest. Most so-called Christians, the only time they open their Bible is in church. But God said in Acts 27 and verse 25, God said this. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was told me. When you read the word of God and you see a promise It's not from the writer of King James or the writer of some other version. This is from the Lord. And when he says, Pastor Vance, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Do I believe that? Yeah, you call me foolish, but I believe that. One of my friends asked me, <coughs> made a little trip over to Mount Sterling, you know, yesterday to take my granddaughter for the final fitting of her wedding dress, you know. And I said, I don't know whether I'd 
would do that because once you say I do, you're going to change. You know, you may be happier, but I won't get to be around you as much and I won't get to see you as much. And that's normal. Wouldn't want to, that change. So we let our children grow up and mature. Hoping and praying, we have taught them enough that they will make decisions based upon the word. But God said <coughs> in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, God said, but without faith it's impossible to please him. And we read that verse like it has no meaning. But what Paul is saying here, under the inspiration of God, it makes no difference what else you do. If you don't have faith, you're a loser. Because without faith, you can't please God. Faith is believing something that you can't see. Faith is believing that what God promised in this word, that you have got it stamped on in, in your head and in your heart. Because he says, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God, who is he? Anyone. You must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And if you don't know what that word diligently really means, you ought to look it up. I'm not coming down on Billy Graham when he was living and when he preached. He, he did a great work. But if you ever watch the Billy Graham crusades when they give the in, invitation, they came down, you know, blowing bubble gum and laughing and joking, the, you know, because it was something they, hey, I was at Billy Graham's crusade. I was saved at Billy Graham's crusade. When they walked out of the stadium, many of them went back to what they were doing because they weren't changed. When God saves you, there's a change in your life, and it begins right here. Because we are what we think. You think on garbage, you'll spit out garbage. You think filth, you spit out filth. God said, faith grows exceedingly when it is exercised. We have to use it to see it increase. We cultivate faith. And we practice faith. So, well, you know, I've got to know some things. I doubt, I mean, you know, Brenda, when she gets back from where she's going to fly out, you know, she can tell me, but I doubt that she knows the uh, pilot. I doubt if she's ever looked at the record of whether that plane has been taken care of on time. 
We have faith in our car. We have faith in everything except that God said, repent of your sins, turn your life over to me, and I will take care of you. And then sometimes the bottom falls out, not for God to see, but for you to see if you're really what you say you are. (laughs) If the devil never bothers you, you... You ought to brag about that. You ought to ask God, am I really saved? Because he's going to bother you. Believe me. He's going to bother you. Faith grows exceedingly when it multiplies, encourages someone else's faith, and it multiplies. Thank God for those who have encouraged my faith over the years. The person you encourage today may be the one who encourages you tomorrow. Faith grows exceedingly when it's in the Lord, not self. We over we overwork the word I. Bring it on, Lord, I'll take it. Talking about a silly statement, an unlearned statement. Comes from a person who, who really knows nothing about how God works. Not everybody that's having trouble is living in sin. God is maturing you. Faith grows exceedingly when it's in the Lord, not in self. Four times we are told the just shall live by faith. If God said it one time, it would be enough, but he said it four times. And many more times if we wanted to take time and look all of them up. But if faith is not growing, why is it not? Why aren't you closer to God today than you were last Sunday? Well, I believe, because the Bible tells us, you don't use what God gives you. See? If God gives you something and you don't use it, guess what happens to it? Come on now. He takes it away from you and gives it to somebody else. Why should he? I'm not a, you know, I don't treat anybody any different. We were talking to a person I love greatly. She's one of my rocks. Ah had a tape where she was playing a piano. And I thank God for all three of the people we have in our church that played the piano. I changed charity into a Warson tub, you know. But this person 
Good play. Good play. Good play. See, I have a hard time playing jingle bells now. You know why? Remember, God is not a respecter of persons. If God gives you some ability and you don't use it for the Lord, write it down. Don't know when, but you're going to lose it. See, faith is, if faith is not growing, you're not feeding it, not using it, or misappropriating it. Without it, it is impossible to please God. There's no way you can please God without faith. Faith is the substance hoped for, the evidence of things that are not seen. You and I have got ability that we don't even realize because we haven't fully yielded God and our faith has not grown much. If your faith is not growing exceedingly, it is because you are not applying the word of God to your life and seeing God's work mighty in you and through you. We ought to see it in our lives. Other people ought to see us in our lives. There's some people that you, you're just amazed how they, how spiritual they seem to be and and how day in, day out. Sometimes these people are in the hospital or in the doctor, can't come to church because they're sick. All the time, God is using them for something really big. And the devil says, keep telling you that little boy supper, you know, all of us have it. You can't do that. They wouldn't appreciate it anyway. Well, if you're doing something for the Lord to get somebody to give you some bragging, you probably shouldn't do it anyway. You serve God because you love God. I'm doing it for the Lord. Doing it for the Lord. Sometimes we really don't know how to handle things, you know. I held a revival in Mississippi here a few years ago. And I had a visitor. He was a pastor of another church. I didn't know him, but he came up to me and he said, you preach different than anybody I've ever heard. I said, is that different, good different or bad different, you know, before I say thank you or smack you on the head or something? He said, I can tell that if it comes to your mind, you say it. That's me. Guilty. But if I'm not in the will of God, I shouldn't step behind this pulpit. Peter had the same problem. I ain't comparing myself to Peter. He, I'm not worthy to, to wipe off his shoes if he wore shoes. But as we close here in a few minutes, faith grows in the soil of full commitment.
somebody asked me last week, what advice have you given your, your granddaughter? My granddaughter is the love of my life. When I see Caitlin, I see Dora. When I see Caitlin, I see somebody who loves, who cares, who will put you in your place in a heartbeat. That's Dora Kay. Y'all didn't see that side of it. I'm proud of that side. Remember Jesus clearing out the temple? Mm -hmm. Yeah, come on now. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the privilege we have to call upon your name. And as we look forward to the worship service, we ask that you have prepared the speaker, first of all, that you have.